Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. All right, welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Demond Simmons, or should I say, Chief Demond Simmons, or should I say, Doctor Chief Demond Simmons? Now, Chief Simmons has been a 25-year member of the fire service. Now, he started off in, as a firefighter paramedic with Burlingame Fire Department in 1997. Am I saying that right? That's correct. Good old Burlingame. Okay, and then you were hired in 1999 in Oakland Fire Department, where you've worked a majority of your career downtown as a company and chief officer. Currently. I detail to the training division as the chief of training. That's my job. Love some training. And you enjoy all aspects of the fire service, especially as a public servant. Now, I told you I was going to bust on you a little bit. So that is, for those listening, I always ask for a short bio. And the wonderful people that I get on my show always send me a very short bio. So I kind of like to look around. Now, I, I... I was aware of Chief Simmons before, and I've met him in Sacramento. So I, I want to ask you just a couple of questions that may have been left off of your your bio you sent me. And you just answer yes or no. How's that? There you go. So, That's even better. Um, do you have an associate's degree? That's a yes. Okay. <laughs> do you have a bachelor's degree? That is a yes. Do you have an MBA? That is a yes. And do you have a PhD? Uh, Doctor degree, business administration. Yes. You are quite possibly the smartest person I know, and you should not be on my show. That's for sure. Uh, You're obviously too smart for three-point firefighter. No. That's amazing. I always tell folks I just stayed in the game a little longer. There's a lot of individuals who have never set foot on a college campus who are brilliant. And, you know, my growing up – Education was always pushed in the household, and I just stayed at it. And I tell young firefighters today, because of the schedule that we work and the allowances that we have on the job, use your time wisely in the firehouse because it's really easy to get caught up. You know, you get in that, that routine of coming to work, and I've been there, done that, where you get to work at 7 o'clock in the morning, have coffee, check your equipment out, and do all the stuff that we do as as professional firefighters, and some of the stuff that we shouldn't do: hang out, watch TV all day, and and mm-hmm. um, gossip, and eat, and do some more complaining and gossiping. All the things that occur in, in <laughs> fire stations all across the United States. And for you look up five, ten, fifteen years go by, and you ask yourself, "Hey, my career shot by." So don't be one of those individuals. And, um, you know, and I enjoy the fire service tremendously. As you mentioned, um, I have 25 years in the fire service. And I, always, I tell folks now I'm at the halfway point. And the halfway point. Yeah. So when I first came on to the job here in Oakland, one of my first battalion chiefs, um, Chief Dosa, he had 52 years on the job. And so I'm shooting for a nice even 50. And, um, wow. you know, God willing, and as long as my health stays um, intact, um, I expect to accomplish that. And I say that it's, I enjoy what I do, as, as we all do as professional firefighters. I've never, I've yet to meet a professional firefighter, whether current or retired, well, I take that back, who have said that um, they wish they had to do something else in life. The overwhelming majority of people I've come in contact with, they, they love their, they, you know, they love their job. And when I first right. came on the job, another gentleman I work with, Captain Ernie Sherman, he was our last Vietnam veteran to um, retire from the Oakland Fire Department. And folks used to get on him, hey, you know, um, uh, Captain Sherman, you know, when, when are you going to retire? And, and I can tell that he used to weigh on him. And so now when folks ask me, hey, DeMond, you got 25 years on the job, how many more years you got left? And I, inside of me, I kind of, I kind of cringe a little bit like, don't you ever ask me that question again? <laughs> <laughs> and so I know the feeling. And so when those conversations come up at the dinner table about, you know, retirement dates, I tend to 
change the subject or ease my way from the dinner table because I enjoy what I do. And there's a funny story, you know, when you asked me a few weeks ago to um, come on this podcast, I kid you not, I was at home in my home office listening to your podcast. You were interviewing um, Captain uh, Torello out of the uh, oh. city of New York. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. I'm yeah. listening hey. to this podcast and this guy <laughs> is asking me, hey, you want to be on my next show? So I was like, wow. I don't know if you got some type of magic bugs, you know, some type of secret bug in your system to where you know who's listening and and you kind of so and you know when I met you in Sacramento, it was something about you that that I liked right away, and you actually remind me of an individual who I work with. Unfortunately, he's getting ready. Well, fortunately for him, he's getting ready to retire, but for me, because I I like the gentleman so much. His name is Jim Witty. Um, you and him kind of, you, bo- you both look alike. And so he's very handsome. Very, well, very, 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 <laughs> very <laughs> handsome. Exactly. And you have that wit about you. Like, you know, like Jim Witty. So I'm going to make sure he gets a copy of this and uh, get it out. So no, when I, when, I, like I said, when I met you in Sacramento, it was something about you that, that, um, that infectious smile and that funniness and witty, all the above. I was like, this, this, this is a nice guy. I don't see how you cannot be in a good mood when you're doing live fire training. You're all bunkered out. It just, how can you be grumpy? It's like the greatest job in the world. I always say, I feel bad for astronauts, fighter pilots, doctors and lawyers, because they didn't get to be firefighters. That's true. That's true. Best job in the world. Our worst day is still better than any great day in any other Exactly. And I was just thinking of that. They, I was down at the bank today getting some money in next door, the credit union right next door to um, um, OPD, uh, Oakland Police Department, their credit union. Well, they, their, their, their union office, and they were out doing PT. Mm-hmm. These were their recruits in their academy. And so I was like, gosh, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, they, these folks got in the wrong mind because obviously, you know, they enjoy what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed up for it. But I was like, you know, little do they know what they're missing out on. But in all, you know, all all kidding aside, going back to that public servant, servant, whether you're working for a local fire department or a local police department, I can't think of two, two, two greater professions because you get the chance to serve the public. And as you can see right now, I'm in my uniform. And I enjoy wearing this uniform each and every day, including the badge. And I, you know, one of the things I tell young guys, uh, young guys and gals that come on the job is wear your uniform with pride because you earned it. And, um, you know, nothing. Uh, and, and, I, and I understand, you know, how you look in terms of whether you got on the class B uniform, which is what I'm wearing, or a class S station uniform. At the end of the day, when, you know, when grandma house catches on fire, she, he or she, in this case, she, she, she's looking for some competent individuals to come and put the fire out and everything else that comes with it. But yes, wear your uniform with pride because you earned it. And a lot of, a lot of, um, I mean, commands a lot of respect. And most importantly, you never know who you're going to influence, potentially influence when you're out in the public, whether you're out shopping or, you know, my case, you know, I don't get a chance to ride on the fire engine no more. I get a, a ride in this 2002 Ford Explorer that's um, that's on its last leg. Two, um, I'm somewhere in that neighborhood. So you know, uh, <laughs> so I, I'll make sure to send this out to my fire chief, uh, uh, Dr. Freeman. He can give me a new um, give me a new rig. But no, it's yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it, and so. When I get a chance to talk with folks like you from other parts of the country and, and share my story and, and share my perspective on the uh, fire service, both from a, an American perspective and then also from an international perspective, I enjoy it because one of our connections, in addition to you know, being professional firefighters, is that we're both members of the International Society of Fire Service Instructors. And um, I'm part of Love several it. groups. I love all of them. 
IPSTA, the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters. I, Chief Company Officer Section, I enjoy all of them. Because mm-hmm. I get a chance to be part of working with groups of men and talented men and women who are shaping the fire service. And yes. the ISFSI um, has a special, special place in my heart because um, I enjoy teaching and I enjoy professional development, personal professional development, but then also professional development for both aspiring and current members of the fire service. And I tell folks, training and education is the backbone of our profession. Mm -hmm. Once again, folks out there, especially you new firefighters, training and education is the backbone of our profession. And there are some talented individuals in the fire service all across the world who are on many levels just phenomenal in regards to what they do, what they know, and what they share. And um, anytime I can pick up a book, an article, and learn something about this profession known as firefighter and all aspects of it, you know, my first, um, my first love and and what I will always enjoy learning about is the uh, suppression side, but also the EMS side, the hazmat side. And I spent ten plus years working downtown as both a lieutenant and, and a captain at our at our um, station one, which houses an engine, a truck, our technical rescue, and our and, and um, a battalion chief. I, I enjoy a lot of all, all aspects of it. Now, with you being so highly educated, I can only assume you never did truck work. You only did engine work, right? Because that's the smartest group in the fire service. Exactly. Exactly. See, there's, see there's, there's, there's reason number two why I like you. So um, <laughs> I spent um, uh, 20 years in the firehouse. 18 of those years, I worked at a double house. So double house, you know, there's a uh, engine and a truck. and spent most of my time uh, by design riding the engine. And I enjoy riding the engine because man, no matter where you go in the United States Fire Service, very rarely will you have a truck company that outruns an engine company. Now, there are some yes. busy truck companies out there, mm-hmm. but I enjoy engine work. Because you, you know, get a chance to be out there um, on a regular basis, you get a chance mm-hmm. to be first in when you have some type of incident. And I tell folks, I I, I never wish for a structure fire because that those few moments are at the lifetime expense uh, of a family. However, that's part of our job is, is to be highly trained and competent. So when that bell goes off, whether it's an EMS call or a structure fire, you'll be ready to go. But I, I enjoy engine work, and I have the luxury, uh, most folks in the fire service, Washington, most of them, uh, quite a few folks in the fire service know of this individual. His name is um, Daryl Liggins. He's a captain. Him and I came in together in Oakland Fire Department. He is also passionate about engine work. He does a lot of, a lot of training across the nation with the individual who you were um, interviewing when you reached out to me and asked me to come on to the show. And so... We enjoy all aspects of engine work. Nice. Uh, and it, it, the joke I made, I always like to say this too. So for the truckies that are listening to this, have an engine guy explain the joke that I made and, and they'll laugh, you know, exactly. uh, but no, I think in all, in all series, they're, they're all dull, dim-witted and very, Correct. very limited in their vocabulary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> And since we're on the subject of, of, of engines versus trucks, you know, I know some of those folks out there. And there's an individual at the Kirkland from Wrong. You had worked, uh, uh, used to work in Lexington, right? Yes, sir. So there's an individual um, who will remain nameless who worked for your former department. I had a chance to work with him during a um, assessment center a couple of years ago. So he's real big into the truck work. But um, I always tell truck guys, you guys, the, the, the function of a truck company, especially at a structure fire, is to support engine company operations, whether that's, that's to right. force a door for us, to provide ventilation for us, or other miscellaneous items that come with truck work. But it's nothing like being on a nozzle, whether it's an engine, engine three quarter, two and a quarter, which is 
something we knew we have an open fire department of two and a half and um doing what we get paid to do and i always Truck, say truckies long. are they're the gentlemen of the fire service they open the doors for firefighters I like that. One. I, I got to use that exactly. <laughs> and so and I know if, if Mike Torres from Chicago is listening, brother, I'm only kidding. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big truck up in Chicago. Yeah. You know, but like I said, you know, individuals who ride a truck or truckies, truckmen, you know, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, they, they they play a pivotal role in in, uh, in our success. But at right. the end of the day, a steel chainsaw has never put out a fire <laughs> a a uh, a trash hook or a rubbish hook or a pipe pole has mm-hmm. never found an individual in a room in a closet it's men and women who ride those engines each and every day and they take a beating we you know yes. the majority of what we do is the engine work i mean is, is ems work today but whether it's two o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the morning, engines are out running. Another good friend of mine worked for Oakland Fire Department. He just made lieutenant. Um, young man, he said, um, you know, Devon, we only have so many runs in us. And so he spent a lot of his time hiding on the truck. And now <laughs> so now he's a company officer. He sent me a copy of, of the of the log book that that you know, we still use journals and in, in addition to um to um um, uh, electronic reporting. He said, man, um, I don't know if I made the right decision. He had like seven runs after midnight. So when you're used mm-hmm. to sleeping, you know, when you're used to sleeping throughout the night on the truck and then now you are, are a company officer or as, as, as you guys sound in, in the East Coast, uh, uh, engine boss, you know, it's a lot different. But it's all good work. It's it's all good work. (laughs) I I love it. We're so much, and I'm telling you, love the engine work. I love exactly. I like, I like EMS. I like the hit and miss of EMS. You go there, you help. You go back to the firehouse. You don't have to take them to the the hospital. You don't have to reporting. No, no, no. That's where it's at. Exactly. Some people are just blind, blind to the fact that engine work is hero work. Exactly. Thank you. So you young firefighters out there listening, you know, make sure you um, study all aspects of your craft. You know, like the UNI, Jake, we're obviously partial towards engine work. Um, it's a lot to it, especially, you know, as, as an engine officer, you're first in on the scene typically. And so what you do, what you do not do, what you say, what you do not say as that first in engine officer slash incident commander sets the tone for the duration of that incident and so it's um you know i'll look at that engine officer he or she's that quarterback and um mm-hmm. some very important decisions that you're making early sometimes with no information other times limited information other times with information that's conflicting but at the end of the day we got to select the right hose line um, we got to be able to quickly deploy that hose line, working together as a, as a team, a company, um, locate, confine, extinguish that fire. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. But at the end of the day, right. that's what it's all about from an engine perspective when you are operating at the structure fire. Our objectives, if you write down a fire department's objectives, it's a very short list. Correct. But if you look at the strategy and tactics behind those objectives, it is a huge, huge book, and it's constantly changing. And exactly. you got to be able to switch on, on the dime. You really exactly. do. Yes, you do. And, th- and that's when, you know, it's, it's about being versatile. You know, one minute, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, you're on a cardiac arrest. 1030 in the morning, you could be at a tool, two alarm, three alarm structure fire. And like I say, from that engine perspective, you're making some critical decisions early on where to stretch the line, where to begin the search, uh, whether or not to call for additional resources, where to place those additional resources, those engine and truck companies, um, as long as you're operating um, as the um, chief. I mean, excuse me, as the um, incident commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no matter where you go ahead. No, I'm sorry, sir. I was going to no, ask, no, go what got go you ahead. in the fire, sir? What, 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 what? 
you obviously you were little. You said, you know what? I want to be uh, hold a doctorate, enough degrees to be technically a thermometer, and I want to be a fire chief. I want to be a firefighter. What 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 sets you down that path? So, Jake, this is pre-internet. Uh, 1991, I barely graduated from high school. And so my senior year in high school, I flunked out of trigonometry. It was either trigonometry or calculus. So for the fourth semester, I mean, excuse me, for the fourth period, which is the last class before lunch, I had to go sit in the counselor's office. And Ms. Kennard, she was my counselor at an independent high school in San Jose for four years. So she was like, Damon, what do you want to do? I said, Miss Kennard, I'm not quite sure what I want to do other than just go to college. So initially, I started off at a junior college. And the funny story with that, and, and, and Jake, I will you know, get around to, to answering the questions. No, no, take your time. I'm enjoying the um, shit out of this. Go ahead. I was um, I, growing up in San Jose. And don't ask me why, but I always, I always had this fascination that going to college was cool but a junior college is not a real college <laughs> don't ask me why i thought and the funny thing for the last 20 years i've been teaching at a junior college so <laughs> karma so so fast forward i'm working as a sky cap at the san jose airport and first semester i was a business major i started with six classes and in the semester i was down to two so you do your calculations, I probably would just now have received the AS degree 20 some years later. <laughs> so I was at work one day at the airport, and once again, it's pre-internet, so I was looking through the catalog for classes for next semester, and I came across the term fire science. I was like, wow, that's interesting. So at lunchtime, I went down to the registration office, because once again, you know, you couldn't log into your smartphone or your iPad. You had to actually go and talk to someone in person. And I said, I want to take that Fire 50 course. Now, mind you, as a kid, uh, I'm a first generation firefighter. Okay. As a, as a kid, I was not fascinated by fire engines and trucks. You know, when I used to see an engine go down the street, I wouldn't like stop and scream. Oh, that's a fire engine. That wasn't me uncle brother dad no one that was in the fire service and as a matter of fact as a little kid i lived behind a fire station in San Jose state um engine company number four i never set foot in a firehouse so it was seeing the words fire science in this school catalog at mission college santa clara that got me interested in fire service Ninth, spring semester 1992 took my first fire science class and five years later of course i didn't think it would take that long but i was in california at the time it was very 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 competitive getting into the fire service i was hired in burlingame so i spent my first two years in burlingame burlingame small bedroom community uh, we call it the high rent district um, high rent district that you know homes are millions of dollars uh, great people, great, 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 great bunch of firefighters over there. They they taught me a lot about professionalism. They taught me a lot about being being a good public servant. They taught me a lot about you know not being one of those guys at the dinner table complaining, talking about the fire chief, the city manager, and all that. You know that if I was a fire chief, I would do this. If I was the city manager, I would do this. That was all foreign to me in in burning game. And then in 1999, Oakland called. And Oakland, at the time, they were getting ready to roll out uh, first responder paramedics. And so my class, it was about 14 of us. Most of us came from other departments. Few came from private ambulance providers. So we were. How the old first... were you then at this time? How old were you? In Oakland, I was 26. I got hired in the fire service at 24. Oakland came to Oakland in 26. I was, I was at the um, uh, age of 26. And I've been here ever since. Um, I love the Oakland Fire Department. I call it the Oakland Fire Department. It's kind of like those of you who are Ohio State fans, you call it the Ohio State or 
Miami fans that they call it uh, the U, the Oakland Fire Department. Uh, and I tell people all the time, everyone should think that their fire department is the best out there. And because I work for Oakland Fire Department, I I feel that way that I, I work with a great group of men and women who are highly competent and who are good public servants. And I couldn't think of any other organization I would want to work for. Even though growing up, I mean, not saying growing up, in my younger years, my two dream departments were Chicago City and Los Angeles City. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately at the time, both fire departments, they had residency requirements. So um, even though I was born in Michigan, but raised in, in San Jose, trying to fudge a residency in Chicago, that was going to be a little difficult to do. <laughs> and then Los Angeles City, I was close and I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, okay. I passed a written exam. Um, they state that uh, by such and such date before the interview, I need to establish residency. You think I can pull it off? He was like, no, it's not going to happen because at the time, LA City, they, they, he said they would literally go knock on your door, your neighbor's doors, and hey, have, uh, we're getting ready to hire this individual. We're looking to hire him or her. Um, do they live in the neighborhood? How often, how often do you see them? So I was like, well, oh, wow. that's not going to work. And so, but, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in fate, and it was destined for me to to spend my time here in the Oakland Fire Department. And for the last 25 years, that's where I've been. You know, I'm, I'm one of the few who both live and work in the city of Oakland. So not many of us can, can um, lay claim to that. Well, why is that? Why why do most of the people that, that work in Oakland not live there? Um, different reasons. I've heard uh, of a lot of apartments that do that. I have heard a lot of apartments, yeah. like uh, Glendale, California, and Las Vegas, places like that. Mm. But there, there's a couple different reasons. Why, um, some people would say um, affordability. Um, it is. It has gotten a little expensive here in all parts of the Bay Area, and, um, including Oakland. That's part of it. And other people, you know, it's you know, schools. And um, a bunch of other different reasons, but it's one of the things I enjoy because I live here. Um, and this is not to say that people who only work here and they don't live in the city that they serve, that they can't be good public servants, because that's not nearly the case. But it adds an extra layer to it when you live or you live in the community that you serve and your neighbors know that you work. My neighbors know I work for the Oakland Fire Department. So from time to time, they'll come knock on the door with a question about ins- an inspection, um, vegetation management inspection. I tell them, hey, follow the rules because I've been violated too. Um, a, couple, <laughs> a couple years ago, I had some overgrown vegetation and uh, I received a violation as well. So, you know, make sure you, you know, you do what the folks say. Um, what they tell you to do in terms of uh, making sure your home is um, is safe, you know, from a fire perspective. Now, how big is Oakland, uh, the fire department? So Oakland Fire Department, we have a total of 25 stations, including the airport. So we're not a, a big department. We're not in Chicago or Los Angeles City or Los Angeles County. But at the same time, you know, we're not a two or three station department. So we're right there in the middle, kind of using that basketball term, a tweener, someone who plays in a position uh, in between a um, small forward and a guard. So we're right there in the, in the, in the um, right there. I'm in the middle, which, you know, for me is my currently I'm on detail right now as the training chief. And so I'm, I'm part of a team that's responsible for overseeing and facilitating all things related to professional development. Um, it makes it a little challenging in terms of scheduling drills and and how long it takes to go through a cycle. But yeah, so 25 stations, to, um, 24 engine companies, seven truck companies, and then the airport, which is a six-piece um, company, five ARF firefighters and an ARF captain, which makes up our 25th mm-hmm. station. So when I first came on the job, we had 26 stations. So right now our fire boat is currently open and we're hoping that it will become a permanent fixture and that'll put us back at 26 stations. And, you know, Oakland, 
geography geography wise, it's not necessarily it's it's not a big city. Land wise, we're bigger than San Francisco. Now, obviously, San Francisco is a little bit more dense, you know, from a population perspective. So, yeah. And um, so a lot of rich history in Oakland. Good, bad and different from a historical perspective, sports perspective, you name it. Um, it's Oakland is associated with all of it. And that, and that carries over to the Oakland Fire Department. You know, one of the things our organization is no different than any other fire department. You know, we have our issues, but at the end of the day, when folks come to Oakland, they, the culture of the city and then the fire department kind of meshes together and we coexist, we work together. And obviously, you know, when the bell goes off, we put our differences to the side and we go out there and um, serve our citizens. But it's the city and its, its rich history definitely rubs off on the fire department in a good way mm-hmm. and as you know younger folks out there that swag and you know other other terms that you that, that coolness of hey i'm an oakland firefighter is there and yeah. so just like in lexington right just like in lexington lexington a fantastic fire department um yeah. you know it, i think it's only gotten better 20 some odd stations, like you were saying, a uh, lot of tradition in Lexington. Yep. Some of it uh, questionable, yep. some of it fantastic. Exactly. Um, some of the best uh, years of my life. Of course, I was too young, too immature to really, really appreciate what I had in Lexington. Uh, but no, I get it. I totally get it. You know, your your department has to reflect your community. It Correct. just does mm-hmm. in more than one way. Correct. So, um, th- and I have, unfortunately, I have seen some departments that don't reflect their community. Correct. You know, they're 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 filled with city employees, not firefighters. Yep. So, I mean, I get that. Correct. I've, I've seen both sides of that coin. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me let's switch gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know where to start, but I think I got a good starting point. Okay. Tell me about how you got started with the, the society, and what what led you down that path, and where you're at where you're at now. So, with the society, how did I get started? That's a that's an interesting question. I have to think about that for a minute. How I got started with the society? Um, initially, I was I, I signed up, and I was just uh, I was a member, and then mm-hmm. I got involved with a couple committees uh, with a good friend of mine, Jesse Marquette, out of. Um, out of Michigan, the uh, mentor, Jesse, yeah, the man, uh, the mentoring program, yeah, Jesse, yeah, good man, you know, consummate gentleman. And then but, I, but but who's more handsome, me or Jesse? It's a tie. Well, I'm not going to accept that. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and 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 photo and kind of ruin the audio here okay. and have it say where you go. Well, you're way way more handsome yeah. than Jesse. Yeah, that's a silly question. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, Jake, that's a silly question to ask. You already know the answer. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, oh. Jake. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for Jesse to listen. Uh, yeah. But I'm sorry, I interrupted. That's on, okay. on no, a bad no. joke. No, so no, no, no. Jesse no. got you in there. No, yeah, no, no, that was a good. That was a good one. Like I say, Jake, I tell you, that's what I like about you that that you remind me of um, of Jim Whitty guy I work with. And if you ever, if you ever were to meet him, you guys, you guys did pretty good. Yeah, you guys hit off a good. You guys are hit off a good. I, I don't. I don't know if, if you guys could ever get folks to stop laughing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have fun. Exactly. Gotta have fun. Exactly. And so yeah, so I, that one thing led to another. I got involved with some projects that, and then the professional development, and then Lee, who had um, um, saw a lot in me. Lee Hubbard, who runs the society, asked me to um, join the board. And here I am. And like I say, I enjoy all the different fire service affinity groups that I'm a part of. And they all they all have different purposes. But at the end of the day, they're about serving professional firefighters. And with the um, International Society of Fire Service Instructors, I enjoy learning. And I tell folks all the time, if you ever receive an email from me or part of a read something from me at the end, my tagline is, always be remain a student of your profession and the society it shapes the men and women who are 
current and future instructors in the fire service. And that's one of the things I enjoy uh, about the mission of society is providing that professional development for instructors. Because as we all know, teaching is both an art and a science. An individual, he or she can be a good engine officer, engine firefighter, truck officer, truck firefighter, but are you able to deliver knowledge, information in a manner that affects or influences learning? And going back to it, at the end of the day, um, our, our success as professional firefighters is predicated on training and knowledge. I mean, training and education. And as they say, if you want to really know and learn about an organization and how much it values its its employees, you look at its training division. We're fortunate here in the city, well, uh, unfortunate here in the city of Oakland due to some things that we weren't necessarily able to control. Uh, Our training division for a number of years was short staffed. Um, fast forward to today, um, Dr. Freeman, who is our 37th fire chief, he comes to us by way of um, Hartford, Connecticut. He has been very instrumental in increasing our staffing, not only out in the companies, but also in our training division. And it's been it's it's been tremendous. And, you know, it's we all go through those points in, in our career where we have our, our, our high points and our, and our low points. And when Chief Freeman yes. came to um, came to Oakland, he definitely re-energized many of us in the organization, and myself included. You know, and that's not to say that I was at a point where I was checked out, because that was that was furthest from the case for me in terms of um, the fire service. My energy energy level was high, but he just took it to a whole nother level, and to the right. point one day I never forget um, Daryl Liggins and I. We were in his office and we was going over some stuff. And this one, he was he was brand new here as the fire chief. And so I'm excited. Okay, I, I, you know, I got a fire chief who who's big on training, who's big on education, and he wants to do A, B, C, D, and E. I'm like, this is great. I'm I'm like a kid in the candy store. And so he's like, hey, okay, Devon, I need you to do this and do that. And then I'm like, why? I'm like, does this chief know? It's just three of us down here at the training division. Because he's talking from a perspective. It's like, I got a staff of 20 people. I was like, chief, right. I said to myself, who in the hell is going to do all this work? It's just <laughs> three of us. <laughs> and, but no, it was, it was refreshing. Like I say, it's, it's, it's refreshing when you work for a fire chief who values training and education. It's refreshing when you work for a fire chief who, who pushes you. And in the short mm-hmm. 10, you know, um, um, I knew him before he came here, but during the short ten, the t- he's been here over a year now. It has definitely. Um, I'm excited about the next five to ten years here in the Oakland Fire Department, and so um, yeah, I'm excited from that perspective. So going back to the International Society Society of Fire Service, once again, you folks out there, I know you know I, I listen to different podcasts and you know especially the young firefighters, they get excited about, you know, firefighters coming and talking about the last fire they went to and all that good stuff. You know, that's, you know, um, that's not necessarily the intent here. Um, um, uh, I like the way this, I, I like the way this conversation is going. It's looking at it from a, you know, uh, from a broad perspective, but back to that, you know, putting that plug in for the International Society of Fire Service Instructors, I, I encourage all of you to become members the society and no i'm not receiving a compensation for um getting <laughs> you guys to join but just Neither like I. yeah I, just yeah. i talk about it every podcast mm-hmm. and I, it's like a drinking game exactly. if you listen to my podcast you take a shot when i mention the society you'll be hammered halfway exactly. through. <laughs> exactly. so, yeah. great yeah. great great group of folks and and where else could you get a chance to meet jake if it wasn't for right? the society so okay, so I'm I'm if I had to be honest, I'm probably the lowest level person in society you want to meet. No, we're all. On I the get same. to teach with some some heavy hitters. No, we're all. Like, no, that's where I'm going to playfully playfully disprove you. We're all on the same level. We're all doing this because we love it. Um, none of us are being compensated for 
you know, as a matter of fact, you know, we pay to be part of the, uh, the society. So, yeah. but no, yes. great, yes. great group of folks led current. Uh, we had you know, Chief Van Dorp and now Seth Barker, who is um, leading us. And Seth is an amazing, amazing instructor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm always afraid he's going to punch me in the face, though. I think I aggravate him. Every time I'm with him, I aggravate him just a little bit more. I push those buttons. And every now and then I get that look from him like, you know, I could snap your neck. So I got to pull back oh, yeah. a little bit with Seth. But he's an amazing, yeah. amazing instructor. And can you imagine taking the reins of the ISFSI presidency from Pete Van Dorp? Exactly. Who knocked it out of the park. Excellent man. Yeah. And then. It, Seth is the perfect person to pick that football up and exactly, carry it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, love me some Seth. Love yeah. me some Seth. I've I've been very fortunate to teach with him a few times and learn a lot from him. But like I said, I I, I kind of <laughs> poke at him a little bit. I probably should as much. Um, and see, I don't know but, Seth that well, uh, but uh, I can kind of see that. I can kind of see. Yeah. You know, he has that. Yeah. You know, you know, very serious guy. You know, which we all are, and it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> He is one of those guys. Here's why I love Seth so much. Yes, he's he he comes off so serious and organized, right? Yep. But he is just as playful as you can imagine. When the work is done, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I to me it, it is so much fun to have a nice cold beer with mm-hmm. Seth around because he's he's the all encompassing uh, instructor. I think he gets the job done. He takes it as his priority, and then when it's time to play. He plays just as hard. Exactly. He's, he's a fantastic guy. And I think, I really think uh, he's going to do great things for the society. And I've said on here, being a firefighter is like the greatest job in the world. But yeah. if there's a subset that's even better of the fire department, it's being an instructor. And I'm not talking Correct. about just having a certification, but truly instructing. Correct. Now, if that is that good, there's one more thing, one more step above that's even thousand times better and that's being part of the isfsi community and uh it's not just being a member but being an active member um again i've i've met my heroes that happen to be isfsi people and they say never meet your heroes every single one of them has been amazing every single one of them and and like you said i'm not being paid by the society they never ever one time ever asked me to plug anything or to interview anybody, never. Right. Uh, but they also know my passion where it lies for the society. I really think it's the number one, and I know what number two would even be number one uh, instructor society Correct. in the fire service. Correct. And, Period. And and Jake and and Jake, you know, as as, as you make those comments, I, I think of some of the other groups that I'm part of, and what what they all have in common is that they're selfless individuals. In these organizations, mm-hmm. great folks at IFTA. I'm a proud member of the IFTA executive board, and I know sometimes people will bash IFTA textbooks. But keep in mind, IFTA books are written by firefighters, fire service personnel for fire service personnel, and then um, the International um, Association of uh, Fire Chiefs and the Company Officer Section. Currently, um, Chief Hannafin out of um, Ohio. He, uh, you know, he leads that great group that I'm also a part of. But strip the titles, IFSA, ISFSI, IAFC, a great group of firefighters who are dedicated to the profession, who are selfless, mm-hmm. and who are truly students of the profession. And that's what I that's what I enjoy the most about this profession is the people who I get a chance to interact with on a daily basis both here in Oakland and then when I get a chance to travel um, across the nation and um, interact and, and, uh, and uh, network. So young firefighters that are out there listening, uh, think outside of your organization. Yes. Um, I tell my firefighters here in Oakland, yes, we do a lot of good stuff here in Oakland. Yes, there are other ways of doing things. Do not pigeonhole yourself into, well, if it's not taught here in Oakland, if it's not done here in Oakland, then it doesn't make sense. And to network. The now, more when, you people and I, you network, when you and I came in the fire service, it was almost frowned upon to get training outside your fire department. Oh, yes. 
I mean, I can remember talking about fire. You don't know that's that's oh, you're going to do it that way, this way. But now I, I couldn't agree more. I was asked on a I was on a YouTube channel uh, doing the hot wing challenge with Dave Mellon uh, from uh -huh. Fire Valor Training. Excellent human being. Excellent channel. Um, but it was like, what what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back in time? And it was exactly what you said. Start networking early. I didn't start yes. networking until I was 20 years into my career. And I've met some amazing human beings. Uh, I, I think I've met, I've learned more about the fire service, not only always in class too, but I mean, after class, having a cold beer with a couple instructors and just talking. And I've, yep. and, and then if you got a problem, you know, I'm like, oh, I can pick up my phone and say, let me, let me, let me talk to Chief, you know, let's Chief DeMond. Let me see if he's running into this problem, you know? Mm -hmm. It's an amazing network. Uh, and it, it's, I, I can't stress it enough. If you're, I really truly believe, and I know this might make some people mad, but I really don't care. If the people get mad at this statement, I don't give a shit. If you go to work <laughs> and you just stay in your firehouse and then you go home and you do that, you do that for 20 years, you're doing it wrong. You're just oh, doing it wrong. Jake, you hit that, you hit that on the nose. And, and this profession, because of what we see and the type of schedule, it's, easy to get jaded mm -hmm. but i tell folks if you look at things from a fresh from a different perspective you stay active and involved in the fire service outside of your own fire department you will have a rich career mm -hmm. but if you as you just mentioned if you just go to work come home go to work come home it's gonna be a long 25 to 30 year career right and Another thing I tell folks, too, and we were just talking about this, Jake, is um, I'm a strong believer that you can learn from any type of organization. What I mean by that, small small fire departments, medium-sized fire departments, large city fire departments. A lot of times folks think, well, uh, there's only two or three fire departments out in the nation that I can learn from. And if they're not doing it, it doesn't make sense. Some of the most knowledge that I have gained has been from firefighters who work in small organizations, who work in, who work for cities that are not destination cities. You know, they're right. not the New York City, they're not the Chicago, the Los Angeles, the San Francisco, the Oakland. They're just small middle town America, sub right. suburban fire departments, and they're great group of firefighters so number two young firefighters network and then number two do not limit who you can learn from it's not just the big city fire departments who have a wealth of information you know they don't have that that monopoly on what's taught what's learned what we do expand your horizons Talk when you go to conferences, talk to individuals who work in a small one or two station fire department. Yes. Yes. I just got back from Iqaluit, Canada, and that's up in the Arctic. So the only way you can get there is flying in or by boat, but the ocean's frozen now, so it has to be fly, flying in. And I talked, uh, it's a small department, one station. Uh, they got a truck, an engine, I think two ambulances, right? So the first 10 minutes I meet this chief, Chief Steve McGean, he spent the first 10 minutes talking about his people and his department. Mm -hmm. It wasn't at all about, look what I did, or I'm from here. He was, and I, he was beaming with pride. So mm -hmm. as the, the longer I'm there for this class, teaching this class for the society, um, I meet his people. They've got a culture there that it's a very young department. It's very it's it's a transitional department. People will come there for a few years, but very few mm -hmm. actually retire there because it's so isolated. Correct. So here it, it and I'm not I, I I see a ton of great departments, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But this small department in the middle of the Arctic had one of the best cultures. They yeah. cared about each other. They cared about training. They cared about their community and they mm -hmm. loved their chief and their chief loved them. He, he starts, I, I, I hope I don't get this wrong. I don't know if it's every day, but I'm pretty sure it's every day. He starts the first half hour of the day drinking coffee with his, his people. And he told me, he goes, and it's not to say, Hey, this truck's out of service or we're doing this training. It's, Hey, what's going on? 
But my point in all that ranting is that a small department had was had some in a transitional department had one of the best chiefs I've ever, ever, ever met and one of the strongest cultures I've ever been part of. And I told the chief, because I hate the cold. I do, I'm not going to lie. I'm tropical. Yeah. I hate the cold. And I told him, I said, chief, if you had a training spot up here for a training officer, I still wouldn't take it because it's so cold. <laughs> but I promise you, I would think about it for at least a couple minutes because your culture, your department is one of the best ones I've seen. And I've seen a lot of great departments. Exactly. And that's, yep. you know, when I was, I was teaching a class, I guess I'm somewhere in uh, Illinois, uh, nowhere near Chicago. And as I was, we were, we were discussing strategies and tactics. And one of the things, combination and volunteer fire departments is that they're very resourceful in spite of having limited resources. And so things that we take for granted, such as here in Oakland, Lexington having a hydrant on every corner. Mm -hmm. That's not the case there. And so I was discussing like, hey, as we as a as a company officer slash incident commander, you gotta make decisions based on your own situation. I can't come in here and tell you that on a first alarm assignment you need to have fifty firefighters when your fire department only has five people. Based on what you have and reading the building. You decide what you're going to do first, second, third, what you're going to do concurrently as it relates to tactics and task level activities. And back to this training piece, some of the best departments from a training perspective are your volunteer organizations. And I steal a lot of stuff from volunteer fire departments that I bring to the Oakland Fire Department because, you know, I can't think of a more dedicated firefighter than someone who is a volunteer firefighter or volley as they as they like exactly. to say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then you know what that's that that's no knock on 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 those of us who are are paid uh firefighters, but to be a firefighter and you do it out of love and you do it with with, with knowing that you're not gonna be compensated. Mm -hmm. That just takes it to a whole nother level. You're giving up holidays. You're giving up birthdays. You're giving up seeing your kids maybe take their first steps because you care about the community. You love the community. Exactly. You know? and, exactly. And that, you know, and they outnumber us yes. uh, career, you know? And yes. I don't like the term professional versus volunteer because I'll tell you right now, I've met some paid firefighters that are incredibly unprofessional, and I've met some volunteer firefighters that are some of the most professional, badass firefighters I've ever met. Exactly. Period. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, is with, with that, and speaking on that, when we talk, since we're talking about training and education, and with these different conferences that are held throughout the nation, and, and a lot of times I feel bad that due to the price point, it makes it inaccessible for a lot of volunteers to attend because who can pay eight, nine hundred dollars for an airplane ticket, mm -hmm. spend a week hotel and, and registration and all the other good stuff to get some valuable training and education. So I, I hope as a fire service we can get to that point to where we can really provide training and education across the board to where money is not a, a uh, inhibitor for folks to, to, to be able to participate. So um, that's one of the things that, you know, um, I sort of have a disdain for. And I know in a lot of the conferences these days, you know, they're corporate ran. And, and I know you got to be able to turn some, some, profit to some degree but sometimes it's oftentimes it's at the expense of you know young men and women who are volunteer firefighters or young men and women who are career firefighters who are just starting off and they just can't afford that additional training you know that cost for training education so right um there's so many new micro conferences popping up i know right uh, the uh, I think it's Nick Pepper. Uh, he does the North, him and his and I apologize for not knowing his partner's name. That's that do the North Florida Fire Expo. Uh, okay. It's like two or three hundred dollars and all the classes you can take in two or three days. 
Uh, and it's the same people that are at FDIC. I'm not knocking right. FDIC. I love FDIC, but it is, it, it's pricey. It's corporate yes. ran and it's pricey. Um, yes. And I, I'm, I'm really, I really like all those uh, new micro conferences that are coming yes. up because these people are starting to, uh, to get out and get that knowledge. Now, another thing that I'm noticing, the more people I talk to like you, uh, it's nothing to start a small fire school or a small conference in your area. And, you know, I, I'm sure they get a lot of these people say, yeah, I would love to come down for a couple hours on one day and give a class or do whatever, because it's the people that love the job. They're not worried about making money. You know, exactly. I've never seen any firefighter instructor drive a Ferrari to work. Never seen no. it. Not once. No. <laughs> so and I've never been to a conference where, you know, one of the instructors pull up in a Ferrari. Oh, so. It's a passion for the job. It's it, and I've always said, knowledge not shared in the fire service isn't knowledge. You mm -hmm. know, uh, our currency is knowledge, and yep. if we don't learn it, and we don't give it away, it's just useless. It's exactly. useless. That's all there is to it. Yeah, young folks out there that you know listening to to, to what Jake just said that that uh, knowledge is very very valuable and we have to make sure that we pass it along to the next generation of men and women who are going to call themselves firefighters we can't just yeah. take in information and hold it and not share it it does us no good at all as a you know, as, as a profession right and look at it this way now this this is going to seem like an arrogant statement and i certainly don't mean it to be it's it's more yeah. of a uh, more of a, a thought experiment. And, and I'm asking this to everybody listening. What is your legacy in the fire service? What is your legacy going to be? Exactly. Okay. Now your great grandkids, when they Google your name on the internet, will it show that you worked for a fire department for 20 years or will it show that, you know, there's pictures of you at different conferences or pictures of, uh, of you delivering at conferences, uh, articles you've wrote, uh, videos you've made, what is your legacy going to be in the fire service? What exactly. fire service has given you a lot of good things. What are you giving back? Yep. And I want you to think about that. And, 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 you know, I think about that all the time. I think about my great grandkids and, and, and on, you know, I have no idea what my great grandfather sounded like, looked like, or what his favorite things were. But I know for a fact that I, the rest of my great, 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 great grandkids when they're flying around Saturn and they're looking at old videos of me, they're going to know one thing for sure. I loved my job to the 10th degree exactly. and every day I fell back in love with it. Exactly. Hey, Jake, I'm looking behind you with that, um, with that ladder, um, that ladder, what, um, 49, uh, John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah. Ladder yep. 49 with John Travolta. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, uh, I made my own little office with that. Yeah. Yeah. I Everybody see that movie. It should just, be backdraft. Yeah. Um. Both, yeah, both of them are good movies. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. you know Hollywood, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's they're so real. I like when people say, "Is it really like that in a fire?" I'm like, I wish I could see that good in a fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no. Back to that point, Jake. You talked. You talked about. You know, you talked about legacy, and. I like that name, Jake, because it's, it's, it, it comes from one of my favorite movies, Training Day, with Denzel Washington. I love that movie, yes. And so there's a lot of takeaways from Training Day that I use in real life. Of course, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily use the colorful language that, that Denzel <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Hoyt, Officer Hoyt, uh, you know, use. But, um, yeah, that Jake and, uh, no, that, you know, yeah, that Training Day, that's, um, you know, a lot of good takeaways. Yes. And we talk about legacy and, you know, what will your legacy going to be? Or what will, or, or what is your legacy? And, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone is going to be the keynote speaker at FDIC or at, at ISFSI event. Right. But nevertheless, that does not remove you from the ability of truly laying a strong foundation and legacy in your organization if nothing else and on the grander level the fire service in general because once again who wants to live a life where they come to work two days go home for four do that for 25 or 30 years and not add anything else to it mm -hmm. 
And I get it from, you know, some folks who, who have families, you know, they can't dedicate themselves to the profession in the manner that they would like to or dedicate themselves in the manner that a person who's single such as myself can. But we all have a responsibility and we all can leave a foundation in our firehouse, our battalion, our department, and in the profession. That's excellent. I want to, I want to leave you with this one last thing. Mm -hmm. So I got, I was very honored to meet and uh, then later interview uh, chief Frank Lieb from FDNY. He is the Mm -hmm. training chief for Mm -hmm. the X training chief for the rock and talking about legacy he, he said he said this, not about legacy, but I'm using his words. When's the best time to plant a tree? A hundred years ago. When's the second time to plant a tree right now? Yep. And if you think about that with legacy, uh, you know, maybe you've done 30 years in the fire service or whatever. It's not too late. You know, Correct. if you look back at at the joy in your adult life, you you have when you put on a fire department shirt or a fire department hat or when you go on vacation and you wear one of those shirts and somebody calls you brother or sister. OK, the fire department is done for you. It has it has it is delivered. What do you want to live, leave for that? You know, what, what does the department deserve? And Jake, since we're talking about gardening here, one of the things I tell folks, too, is that when we hire young men and women in the fire service, they're highly motivated. They're eager to learn. And unfortunately, sometimes we plant good seeds in bad soil. What I mean by that, they enter these firehouses. And those of us who are in the firehouses, when these young men and women, their first day on the job, their third day on the job, six months in on probation, 12 months in on probation, we have a responsibility to inculcate the legacy and culture that is associated with the fire service in a good way. Love for the job. Constantly seeking out knowledge. Constantly going out there training. Constantly sharing information and being good individuals with a good attitude. We cannot continue to take these eager young men and women and soon they hit the firehouses, act, communicate in a manner that tells them that I'm working with a bunch of firefighters who don't appreciate what has been given to them. Because not everyone gets a chance to earn this. And I use the word earn, not give, but earn this badge. And so when you earn this badge, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are doing those things that the fire service needs because outside of the military outside of law enforcement i can't think of too many other professions where when the bell goes off and someone calls us in a time of need that there's a chance that we may not go home in the same capacity that we that we came all the more reason Training and education is the foundation of our success. In the absence of continuous and relevant training and education, where will we be? Where will we be as a profession? Brother, that you said a lot. You said a lot. And I've said it before. Training is not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. For young folks that are out there listening, and to you senior members as well, spend some time in the books. Spend some time in front of the computer taking an online course, whether it's through ISFSI or uh, Firefighter Safety Research um, Institute, used to be UL and this, and all other different LMSs, learning management systems out there. And each day, dedicated a minimum two hours to your profession. Think of your, your your professional athletes that you enjoy, whether it's Kobe Bryant, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Barry Bonds. They all play different sports, but what they have in common is the dedication to their profession. That's what puts them in a whole different sphere than 
your average NBA player or NFL player, or MLB player, if there is such thing as the average um, in that case. But they're all talented individuals. You know, you just don't make it to the pros by being average. Right. But you take, take that same thing and, and, and apply it to our profession. Absolutely. Appreciate you being on. Thank here. you. Thank you for having me, Jake. And it was a pleasure getting a chance to meet you in Sacramento. And I hope to see you again soon. It's uh, um, at the next event that's out there. I think Firehouse World is coming up. I'm not sure if you're going to be there or not. Um, but um, I'm not not planning on it right now. But I'd, I'd love to go. Maybe I can work something out. Okay. Well, I see you around, Chief. Have a good one. Thank you for being on. Thank you, sir. 